Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There's never a moment where they don't think they have enough of your money. Never, ever, ever a moment where they don't think you're paying enough. And this, from Senator Elizabeth Warren on MSNBC, talking to Stephanie, rules a great example of where they are in this idea of fair share taxation. Well, you always want to remember, Stephanie, that billionaires have really loud voices in Washington. And a lot of legislators are like, well, yeah, um, uh, let's do something else. Uh, and, and keep in mind, when you say Democratic voters want to see us put in a wealth tax, the majority of Republican voters want to see us put in a wealth tax. This is a place where Congress is in one place, and the American people are in a very different place. And I think the two principal reasons for that are the American people understand how unfair the current system is. The um, 99% in America paid about 7.2% of their total wealth in taxes last year. That top one-tenth of 1% paid about 3.2%. That is less than half as much. The second reason we need to get that wealth tax in is this is how we have the revenues to be able to pay for universal child care and universal pre-k and community college and expanding medicare and none of the things that i'm interested in i don't know about you none of the things i'm interested in tony katz tony katz today it's so good to be with you i am not interested in them is because because i think people should pay for them I when you talk about universal pre-K, right? You're 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 saying that the federal government has to do this as opposed to states doing this. I don't believe that to be true. Then again, I'm somebody who would completely dismantle the Department of Education. I would turn the whole building into the world's largest Dave and Buster's. We're talking about two floors of laser tag and everything. The federal government can't do this. They can't do it. They can't run a Department of Motor Vehicles. They can't do this. We need to tax the uber wealthy. In order to fight climate change. No, we need you to start being honest about weather. So we aren't all in agreement. And this idea, though, of the rich, we're going after the rich, we're going to tax the rich. That was that was uh, the, the dress, right, from, from Ocasio-Cortez, who the more you think about it, the, the more pathetic she looks. I mean, she looked fine in the dress. We're talking about just the attitude and the style and the... Man, this was this was a cry for notice me. It was. It was an absolute cry for notice me. Did you hear did you hear her talking about it? I was sharing this. This this is the best when she was asked about the dress. She's standing there with her designer. When Aurora and I were first kind of partnered, uh, we really started having a conversation about what it means to be working class women of color at the Met. And we said, you know, we can't just play along, but we need to break the fourth wall and challenge some of the institutions. And, and you know, while the Met is known for its, its spectacle, we should have a conversation about it. She honestly doesn't know what she's saying there. But, of course, she had to work in about being a woman of color. You're an elitist. 
You are what you are what you are, and everybody sees it, and you're trying so desperately to spin it. You, you, you made the spectacle. You have to deal with the situation. But this whole idea of the rich, Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Joy Behar is all about how how brave it was to wear this dress and how you gotta you gotta um you know go after these people and yes they have to pay their fair share. Whoopi Goldberg is making an argument. She's saying, you know what freaked me out about this? I've been trying to figure out because they say one percent. You know how much the top one percent is considered? People who make about four hundred twenty-one thousand a year make you a part of the one percent. For me, this is outrageous, you know, because, listen, in America, you're supposed to be able to come and turn yourself into everything, you know? That's her quote. $421,000 makes you in the 1%. What those who follow people like Elizabeth Warren never comprehend is that eventually it has to come for them. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to tax the uber wealthy. You notice it's no longer millionaires and billionaires. It's just billionaires because so many of them are millionaires. It's now the billionaires. But eventually it has to get to everybody. It's the only way it can work. The number gets down to everybody, everywhere. Eventually that's the way it has to be. If It was Margaret Thatcher who said the problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. This is completely accurate to this day, some 40 years later. You run out of other people's money. So if they are taxing because they are spending on all these programs, as opposed to you making the decision for yourself, and programs that don't provide value, and programs that are not run efficiently because there is no competition, and programs that cease being a value but you don't give them up because somebody's cousin is making money out of it. The problem with programs is that they never go away. They're always here. They always have a champion. And well, you can't. What about the children? What about the children? Anytime somebody says, what about the children? Guaranteed, they are screwing you over. Anytime a government official says, what about the children? If we had government officials who really cared about the children, they would never allow critical race theory or anti-racism into the schools. They would completely oppose that bigotry and that hate that comes from those two uh, thought processes and the diversity, equity, and inclusion officers that promote it. Oh, yes. Uh, get rid of all the DEI. It's, 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 it's a nonsense position that provides no value whatsoever. So if somebody like Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, were to say, well, we need to have a tax, a wealth tax, because we need more DEI in the schools, I'd be like, yeah, that's no reason to have a wealth tax. Now, I do believe that those people who are uber wealthy who want to buy into this leftist nonsense, I think they should be taxed at 172%. If you want this life, you pay for this life. And let's see how it works. You want to tax people and tax the wealthy? I want Oprah to go first. And I want her to pay the tax for five years and then tell me how it went. Tell me how your life is better. The people who want these programs should pay into these programs, not me. Them. Well, I don't want to pay into the military. Oh, no, 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 no. The military is what keeps you alive and safe. When, of course, we utilize it properly.
You don't want to pay for a military? Fine. Just tell China we're not going to pay for a military, and we will all be with the Uyghurs in three, two, one. There's your blindfold. The people who don't want to pay for the military, they're too ignorant to be able to run a country. They're too ignorant to have a driver's license. I don't want to pay for expanding uh, Medicare. I don't want to pay for community college at all on a federal level. If I'm paying for somebody's college, I want the choice of what they major in. And you're not allowed to major in gender studies because that's a nonsense degree that provides no value unless, of course, you want to become a professor of gender studies. It's the only way it works. Look, we should be clear. I don't just say this about gender studies. I also say this about history. You can get a degree in history, but your your career paths are, are limited. You can become a teacher, you can become a professor, I guess you can go into law. I mean that that's it, right? It's hard to say I got a degree a degree in in, in, in history and nobody would hire me for their, their their the business world. You didn't bring them something that was a skill set that they can utilize and profit off of. I don't know why people are opposed to the idea of profit off of. My stations profit off of me. Of course they do. That's the value I provide. But I provide such a value that I'm able to command a a, a worthy dollar. Because, well, we're in this together and you guys are a part of the show, allowing us to build ratings, allowing me to say this is what it is that my show provides and them saying absolutely and we can then monetize that and so they pay me and then they get paid and everything's great. That's how it works. Of course my stations make money on me. Of course, the videos I do at Red State, redstate.com, promo code CATS. Did, did I throw that in pretty uh, that well there, Ari? Was that, was that nice and subtle? Real subtle. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. Promo code CATS, K-A-T-Z, at redstate.com. Become a VIP. I, I get paid for those videos, but it provides a value that is above and beyond what I get paid. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. Now, if I feel I'm not getting paid enough, I can ask for more money. If they don't want to do it, I can leave. I didn't say it was easy. I'm just discussing how it is. I don't want to provide somebody a free college education unless I can decide what it is they major in. And no money should go to gender studies because it doesn't provide any value for the society. Well, Tony, what provides value? Engineering. Auto mechanics. Um... Uh, electrical engineering, computer sciences. Uh, we need more nurses. Oh, oh, I'll pay for the nurses. Oh, we should have scholarships for nurses. Provides an actual value to society. Gender studies doesn't. Take me on, bro. I, 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 it doesn't matter if you're happy with what I'm saying or, or, or not. It is a factual conversation. Well, gender studies is all I ever wanted to major in. It gives me satisfaction. Okay, great. You go do that, but you pay for that. You see the difference? I'm saying if we have to pay for it, you don't get to do it because we get to decide that that doesn't provide a value to society. But if you want to pay for it, my gosh, go right ahead. Live your life. It's exactly how I see the world. Thank you for agreeing with me. Whoopi Goldberg understands that if you're talking about $421,000 as the top 1%, you're not talking about somebody with $2 billion. 
And because they keep spending more money and never have a reason to stop spending your money, that 421000 eventually has to become $389,000 a year. Then $278,000 a year. Then $146,000 a year. Then $43,000 a year. Eventually, it comes to you. Because, by definition, it has to. That's what makes her commentary, the commentary of Elizabeth Warren, so radical and so inept and so wholly, wholly ignorant. That top one-tenth of one percent paid about 3.2 percent. That is less than half as much. The second reason we need to get that wealth tax in is... This is how we have the revenues to be able to pay for universal child care and universal pre-K and community college and expanding Medicare and fighting the climate crisis head on. It is the financially responsible thing to do, as well as the thing that produces the most equity in this country. Ask those at the top to just trim back a little on their joy rides in outer space and spend some of that money on our babies so they get a good start and our seniors who need access to dental and vision and hearing care. Please. Those billionaires like Elon Musk and, and, and Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, Amazon, no matter what you think of him, no matter what you think of the whole, uh, whether the, you know, corporate taxes, Jeff Bezos has provided more value for Americans and for the globe than Elizabeth Warren ever has. Elon Musk has provided more value for, the, for America and for the globe than Elizabeth Warren ever has. Donald Trump has provided more value to New York, to America, and to the globe than Elizabeth Warren ever has, yet she is going to lecture to them about how to be good. They have provided jobs. They have looked to the future. They have built the future. But Elizabeth Warren knows what's best. So really, whose hands is the money best in? Elizabeth Warren or the people who actually create? There's only one answer. I'm Tony Katz. California, this is what you get. It's what you voted for. You want to keep Gavin Newsom in office? You've got it. But for the people who stay in California... um. It's now on you. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Producer Ari and I had a bet. It wasn't a bet. We just like, hey, who's going to win this thing? And he's like, oh, Gavin is going to stay in office. He took the easy road. Hey, he took the easy way out. Put, did not put himself on the line at all. I played a win, Tony. <laughs> good for you. So he gets a milkshake because I said, no, nah, no, nah, let's I'll go the other way for the sense of drama and and uh, the 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 yeses, you know, he, they won't they won't they'll, they'll remove him from office and Larry Elder will be there. But nope, 60 plus percent of the people decided to keep Gavin Newsom in office. Was there fraud? Well, it's some interesting conversations about people who showed up to vote and they were told they already voted. And that needs to be looked at. But I think it's it's at the last count that I had, it was 5.8 million votes for Newsom and to keep him there, and 3.2 million to remove him. So it was 64 percent to keep him, and 36 percent to remove him. 
Guys, that's not close. That is not close in any way. So let's be clear about what it is that we are discussing. What should Californians do? And I will no longer play kind with Californians where I used to live who are like, well, we'll just keep fighting. No, no. John Galt has spoken to you. It's time to walk away. It's time to go to Texas and to Florida and to Idaho and to Indiana. You're welcome here. The people who voted against Newsom, they're welcome here. You leave all that crazy where you came from. I have often said, not only should you have to sign a waiver that you'll leave the crazy where you came from, you should not be allowed to vote in a statewide election for three years. For any state official or local official, three years after moving there. You can vote for a federal, I can't stop that. But state, you don't know the state, you got to learn it. You got to take the time. Three years, then you can vote. That, that, I love that rule. I think that keeps states safe. Just ask New Hampshire whether or not they think that's a good rule, all those people who came in from Massachusetts. But you can't stay. California proved that this is what they want. They want the open border. They want the prevention of people uh, getting uh, into jobs because of AB5, which destroyed the gig economy. They want the homeless issue. They want the high taxation. They want the wokeness. This is what they want. Let them have it. It's the only way. And you might say to me, well, Tony, you're admitting defeat. What is, what is it that I'm saying? You've already lost. I'm asking you to recognize where you're at. Well, my family lives here. Well, your family's wrong, and you're going to let them take you down a hellscape? I've heard that many times. Well, my parents live, live here. And I can't leave them. Yes, you can. I didn't say it wasn't hard. Well, my, my friends are here. My job's here. You can't live like this. But hey, if you, those other things matter more, well, then just keep living. You know, who, who am I to deny you making that kind of decision? But the people who remain have to accept the fact that they will live as second-class citizens in a state that just isn't willing to do the work. Isn't willing to see a better way out. They haven't hit rock bottom yet because they still have so much money to spend. And not enough businesses have left, not enough people have left, even though people are leaving all the time. Can you imagine California still hasn't hit rock bottom? But it hasn't. So, people have to make a decision. And those who want to stay, hey, I, I can't force you out. But I won't listen to you anymore. When you complain, it's all on you. You tried. I respect that. Now make smart decisions for yourself. This is Tony Katz today. There were four decisions this administration made that I think were utterly indefensible. Number one, abandoning the Bagram airfield, giving it to the Taliban. That is a decision that a hundred years from now will be studied at war colleges as a colossal strategic mistake giving up two secure airfields 
necessitating an evacuation from a dense urban environment, a commercial airport, which led tragically to the suicide bombings and murders that killed 13 American servicemen and women. Had we been evacuating from Bagram with a secure perimeter, the odds are, are quite high. That attack either wouldn't have happened or if it had happened, it would have been far less severe in its consequences. Secondly, the Biden administration giving the Taliban a list of Americans and of Afghans we wanted out. Third, the decision to leave Americans behind. Hundreds of Americans, perhaps more, perhaps thousands, thousands of green card holders, tens of thousands of Afghans who assisted the U.S. military. The Biden administration abandoned them and left them behind. And fourth, leaving billions of dollars of American military equipment that the Taliban will now use to threaten our lives. Earlier in this hearing, you, you said about that equipment, quote, none of it is a strategic threat to us or their neighbors. That does not pass the laugh test. When you're looking at the Taliban potentially having 64,000 machine guns, 33 Black Hawk helicopters, 16,000 night vision goggles, we will see American blood spilled because of these colossal mistakes. That was Ted Cruz, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, addressing Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is amongst the weaker individuals in American leadership. Came across horrific in his two days of testimony, the first in front of the House Judiciary Committee, and then, um, I mean, sorry, House Foreign Relations Committee, and then in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Trying desperately to put all the blame on Donald Trump. Morning, noon, and night. Blame Trump for this. Blame Trump for that. Blame Trump for the other. The Secretary of State. Time to end America's longest war. When President Biden took office in January, he inherited an agreement that his predecessor had reached with the Taliban to remove all remaining U.S. forces from Afghanistan by May 1st of this year. As part of that agreement, the previous administration pressed the Afghan government to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, including some top war commanders. Meanwhile, it reduced our own force presence to 2,500 troops. In return, the Taliban agreed to stop attacking U.S. and partner forces and to refrain from threatening Afghanistan's major cities. But the Taliban continued its relentless march on remote outposts, checkpoints, villages, and districts, as well as some of the major roads connecting the cities. And you are still responsible for the withdrawal. This is where the split happens. They want you to believe that it's all because of Trump. But Trump wasn't in power. You were in power. Biden was in power. Lloyd Austin was in power. Mark Milley is in power. You did this. There's no spin possible. It doesn't matter what Chris Murphy of Connecticut says on MSNBC. I mean, it's freaking Chris Murphy. Senator from from Connecticut, who once again can't get it right, cannot, for the life of him, get it correct. I think Secretary Blinken acquitted himself very well yesterday. Um, listen, this is a big moment for Republicans like Senator Brasso. Um, these are legislators that cheerled this war for 20 years um, that forced us to stay there, arguably 10 years too long after we knew that the uh, Taliban was likely going to overrun the government and the military. 
You had Joe Biden telling you in July that it wasn't the fact that the Taliban was going to overrun the military. Don't you try and change history now, Chris Murphy. You joke, you child, you low-rent beta male. No, 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 we are not going to put up with that. And if you want to argue we hadn't been fighting this war correctly under George Bush, under Barack Obama, under Donald Trump, that's a fine argument. Make it. Show your data. Say where we made the mistakes. Discuss where you think it could have been better. By the way, what did you know? When did you know it? And how did you speak out against it as a senator if you were in a position to do so? Rational. Rational for you to say, rational for you to discuss, rational for we, the people, to ask the questions about you as a senator. But we're not talking about the war. And don't ever let them try and twist you on that. I know, I know, I said a bit like a broken record on it. I've been on this today. But it's so incredibly important. They're trying to twist this idea that it was about the war. That's not the subject. Because if you want to have a conversation about going to war and what we did with all that money and all that time, I think that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You don't get to say Republicans were cheerleading when Barack Obama did it for eight years. You don't get to have that conversation because you look like a fool as opposed to what you physically look like, which is like a fool. Do we need to hear anything more from him, really? That we had been there training, and so you know, their effort here is to try to obscure uh, what was bad decision-making by uh, cheerleaders of the war for 20 years by focusing all of the nation's attention on what happened over the last uh, 30 days. What happened over the last 30 days is what matters. Because that's the conversation. That's the whole and the totality of the conversation. You know what's happened over the last 30 days? It has been 16 days since Joe Biden left Americans for dead in Afghanistan. Oh, you, you think I'm going to forget? You think all the craziness of COVID this and Ocasio-Cortez's dress that and, and Nicki Minaj over here? Oh, do, do I have to talk about the Nicki Minaj story? All right, uh, later. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear about the MTV Video Awards. I don't care if Conor McGregor and Machine Gun Kelly get into a fight. Couldn't give a good holy damn. We left Americans for dead. Not going to forget. Not going to get lost in the shuffle. It's not going to happen. We left Afghanis who pledged themselves to us. We left them to die and they are being killed. Not going to forget. No, 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 no. Won't do it. Will not be a part of it. But that's what people like him are desperate to do. And this, this clip was uh, tweeted out by a guy by the name of Mike Gwynn, White House Rapid Response Director. Oh, you little chump of a man. Any, anything to move the narrative, right? Anything to get it off you. Just, just, just pathetic. But they keep trying. And they keep trying. And they keep trying. We should not allow this to happen. Anthony Blinken wanting to blame Donald Trump is a radically inept thing to do. And as Senator Ron Johnson pointed out yesterday from Wisconsin, 
you absolutely have left a lot of armament in the hands of the Taliban. So let me just, I've got a number of questions. First of all, approximately, what is the dollar value of the equipment that's been left behind that now the Taliban controls? What's the dollar value of that? Uh, Senator, I believe the uh, equipment provided uh, over the last uh, 20, well, a little less than 20 years, 15 years, was about uh, $80 billion. Uh, of that equipment that, re that remains, as you know, it was given uh, some of it over the Afghan security forces, and of course, uh, some of that is now in the hands of the Taliban. So, 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 I was so it is in the hands of the Taliban. So when the questions were asked, like, why weren't things destroyed? Why, why do we still have it there? And they, they have no answer. They're actually angry that you would ask the question. But it is indeed the right question. As Senator Bob Menendez points out. The execution of the U.S. withdrawal was clearly and fatally flawed. This committee expects to receive a full explanation of the administration's decisions on Afghanistan since coming into office last January. There has to be accountability. That's a Democrat. Of course there has to be accountability. That is the rational play. And when we talk about leaving things in the hands of the Taliban, again, Senator Menendez. Boosting the militant group on the battlefield this summer. We know now that the Taliban had no intention of pursuing a political path and peace deal with the Afghan government. It had no intention of pursuing a democratic path. It had no intention of breaking ties with Al-Qaeda. And it clearly had no intention of allowing women to have their rightful seat at the table and to participate fully in society. To demand the Taliban abide by its commitments now and expect a different result, I think is somewhat absurd. The Taliban rules Afghanistan, so we will have to deal with it in some form. But let's not kid ourselves. There is no such thing as a reformed Taliban. This group is woefully stuck in the 14th century with no will to come out. Their concept of political representation and legitimacy is based squarely on the use of violent force and intimidation. It's hard to disagree with what the man is saying. But I will say this, I, I, if I hear another government official say, we want to ensure that the Taliban is, is has an inclusive government and treats women well, uh, you, you ignorant failures, you liars, you jokes. They don't treat women well, they rape women. This is who they are, this is what they do. Don't ever say, well, we're going to make sure there's an inclusive government. The women of the United States should know that the Taliban is going to rape the women and then kill the women. Then they're going to marry the 12-year-olds, rape the 12-year-olds, have babies with the 12-year-olds. Then when the 12-year-olds become 19-year-olds, they're going to rape and kill the 19-year-olds. Not because I want to say something shocking on radio, but because these are the facts and this is their history. More of Senator Menendez. The administration says that we should judge the Taliban by their actions. And I agree. And their actions since taking over Afghanistan have been pretty horrifying. Beating women activists, murdering ethnic and religious minorities such as the Hazara, separating classrooms by gender, shutting down local media, refusal to break with Al-Qaeda, appointing the head of a foreign terrorist organization as designated by our government from the Al-Qaeda network to lead the Ministry of Interior, and the list goes on. 
He's making perfect rational sense. And many of these things could have happened with the withdrawal anyway. That's a conversation that could be in, well, how you withdraw, should you have gotten rid of Bagram? As we know, a terrible idea to get rid of Bagram Air Force Base. It's, it's, it's irrational. All of it. But none of it changes how the withdrawal was done. The withdrawal that left Americans to die, left them hostages in Afghanistan. The withdrawal that left Afghanis who were helping us as hostages in Afghanistan. The withdrawal that led to 13 U.S. service members being killed. That's all Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken and Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley. And no matter how much they want to blame Trump, those facts will never change. I'm Tony Katz. I pride myself on having a standard. And I'm going to maintain the standard even by bringing up the fact that I will not talk about this Nicki Minaj story. I, I won't have anything to do with uh, the rapper, actress, singer, whatever, uh, tweeting out that... Uh, her cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because a friend of his got it and became impotent and had swollen testicles. I will not talk about this story. I won't do it, producer. You can't make me. Okay. I can't make you, I guess. She tweeted this out, and people are out of their heads, and people are yelling at her, oh, this is misinformation, and how dare you, Nikki? One of those people was Joy Reid from MSNBC. Nicki Minaj is calling her names I cannot say on the radio. Calling her names, you talk this way about a black woman, how dare you, you this, you that, you other. Uh, Megan McCain got in on this, and Nicki Minaj is like, shut up, you. It was far worse than that. If you find yourself having to respond to the Nicki Minaj's of the world on covid well, then you find yourself in a weird place. However, I want her to be able to say whatever she chooses. If she wants to tell a story about her cousin in Trinidad and uh, people becoming impotent, I mean, knock yourself out. If I read that, I'm not like, well, Nicki Minaj said it, it must be true. I read that, I'm like, oh, Nicki. Or I read that, I'd be like, huh. No, it's like, uh oh, honey. Like, we all know what the real story is. Wait, what's the real story? This guy got gonorrhea, and his wife was like, what the hell? And he's like, uh, I got it from the vaccine. Oh, you think that's it? He was screwing around and ended up with an STD, and yes. this is just a cover story? Yes, of course. Oh, first of all, that you're like, of course? I don't I don't know what to do with that. Like, you you have got a, you went quick to that. Is this her personal experience? That I, I have never had gonorrhea and lied about how I got gonorrhea. So, no, it is not from personal experience. So, you only tell the truth about how you got gonorrhea. I, exactly. I'm very specific. I'm straight up with people. There you go. A Good to- for it you. It was a toilet seat. <laughs> this is madness. This is an actual news story in America. It's not newsworthy. I have got no issue with Nicki Minaj. I just don't give a damn about Nicki Minaj. And for the record, she doesn't give a damn about me. She doesn't care about me no how. So don't ask me to give a good holy damn about you, kid.
Not doing it. Not interested. You go do you and you make your money and live your life. I'm going to try and avoid you because I don't find you interesting. I don't find you interesting. I don't find you hot. Nothing. I'm telling you, if we met, we'd probably be the best of friends. That's the crazy part. But I just don't, I'm sorry. I am just not that into you at all, which is cool. I don't have to be. You don't have to be into me. That's totally fine. But you should be allowed to talk. And people shouldn't get so crazy because you put something on Twitter, even though it had 130,000 likes. (laughs) By the way, did you ever, is anyone talking about how she ended the tweet? She put out, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friends got it and became impotent. And then he became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. And she finishes, so just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. Well, I agree with that. Wait, that's disagreeable? We're all nuts. See that? That's a funny little pun right there. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. I'm Tony Katz. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.